You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Back there to get ready for, but that's right, we'll get it, we'll get it all worked out. All right, uh, well, we are going to be in the book of Colossians once again tonight. We're going to begin there, uh, but really I'm going to take my, that's going to be our text verse since that's where we've been studying, uh, but then I'm going to be looking at uh, Luke 24 and some verses also out of um, Psalm 119. I'm going to be in a few different places tonight, Colossians uh, to begin with, and we'll uh, remind you of the, uh, the, the context of, of what we've been looking at. And i got to be honest with you, when I began to study, I was intending to just try to wrap up verse number 7 tonight of Colossians chapter number 2. Uh, but as I began to study it, the Lord really smote my heart about that, and I began to take that a little bit further. Um, and so I'm going to, once again, just focus in on one of the words, if you will, of Colossians chapter 2, verse number 7. Paul's talking to this Colossian church that has, has had to deal with uh, false doctrine. They've been infiltrated with false doctrine, and he's encouraging them. And as a matter of fact, he's encouraging them in the fact that they have continued. They actually have done pretty well to continue on for God in the midst of some of the attacks that they've been going through. Uh, but let's just, for the context, read verses 4 through 7 once again, because it... it, it it's a part of the, it's really the message tonight, but the Bible says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. What I really want to emphasize this evening is established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And from that tonight, I want to emphasize that part about being a student. We've looked at the soldier and we've looked at the tree and we've looked at the building and the pilgrim. But tonight we're going to look at the student. He says there, have been established in the faith as ye have been taught. Every one of us, if you're a child of God, you ought to be a student of the Word of God tonight. And I know some of you students don't like the idea of being a student since maybe you've just recently had your last day of school. Uh, or you're getting pretty close to having your last day of school. Uh, but this kind of student is a little bit different uh, and is a lot more beneficial and a lot more joyous, I'll say that. And so with that in mind, I want to try to challenge your hearts tonight. Man, and I just wish I could uh, get across to you what God's got across to me in the midst of this message. And I want to talk to you about how to have spiritual heartburn. How to have spiritual heartburn. And if some of you may know where I'm going as a text for that reference. The Bible says in Luke 24, verse 32, Luke 24, verse 32, the resurrected Christ is walking with a couple of the, uh, a, a couple of the disciples after His resurrection. They don't recognize Him, but He begins to open up the Word of God to them. And the Bible says, 
as he opened up the word of God to them, the Bible says, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened uh, to us the scriptures? Our hearts burned within us. And I'm telling you, folks, Jesus is still walking with us today, and He still wants to reveal and open up the Word of God to you and to me, and He still wants our hearts to burn for Him. He wants us to have a passion for Him, and He wants to transform our lives through the Word of God. So as we think about these, conti- these continuing instructions that God gives on making spiritual progress, we see that there again, He talked about rooted and built up in Him, but it talks about established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therewith. So two words that we've talked about for spiritual progress is abiding and abounding. Now, we've been talking about, in general, abiding in Christ. Um, But I want to say one of the ways that we abide in Christ is by abiding in His Word. And as much as I try to preach about abounding and about the abundant Christian life and, and, and finding success in this life, folks, if we're not abiding in Christ and if we're not abiding in the Word of God, there's no wonder we're not abounding in Christ and living that abundant Christian life if we're not abiding in Christ and abiding in His Word. Uh, again, what did he say there in verse number 7? Established in the faith. And the, word, the, the, the phrase in the faith right there refers, it's really in essence a reference to the Bible. It's similar to the book of Jude where the Bible says that we should earnestly contend for the faith. Um, You know, we think of faith as just like a a belief, and in a sense, that's the same principle, but it's in what we believe. In other words, it's the revealed Word of God. When the Bible talks about earnestly contending for the faith, it's talking uh, about the Bible. So we're established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. So, as we consider that tonight, uh, I just want to remind you a little bit about the word abide. It means to remain, to continue, to endure, to dwell, and to to tarry. Um, So, uh, let's see. I mentioned already the false teachers that the Colossians were dealing with. You know, and you think about this, as as a preacher and as a teacher, one of the things that I do on a regular basis is I spend time encouraging you to be in the Bible. Read your Bible. Memorize the Bible, right? Every year, I'm encouraging folks, hey, start a Bible reading plan. Maybe try to read through the Bible this year. And and, and boy, many of the teens have really, and and some of the adults as well, have really uh, got into the the, the Bible uh, app that, that many of us use. And I've just, God's used that in a great way. But I started thinking about the encouragement uh, to, to get in the Word of God. But before... Uh, we are going to abide in the Word of God. We need to learn to appreciate the Word of God. And what I think sometimes, and so my goal tonight is to try to start and do my best to help you gain an appreciation for the Word of God. That's my goal tonight. Why? Because it's one thing for me to be trying to encourage you, encouraging you to abide in the Word of God, but if you don't see the need for it, if you don't know why it's such a big deal, then I'm going to have a hard time getting you to do it. 
uh, and, and, and encouraging you to do this. So, what I want to try to emphasize tonight, and I'm going to be preaching some about this in, in days to come, but the very first thing that we must do if we're going to, uh, to abound is we must abide in the Word of God, but before we abide, we've got to learn to appreciate the virtue of the Word of God. Appreciate the virtue of the Word of God. In other words, get a grasp on the in, the incomparable, the incomparable value of the Bible. That Bible you hold in your hand or the Bible you may have on your phone, it's incomparable. Its value is incomparable. Psalm 119, I just want to think about some of the things. And by the way, I, I meant to add these verses in and I'm not so sure that I did. But when the Bible talks about how that, 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 that the Word of God is, is to be chosen over fine gold and jewels and so forth, and... Uh, I start thinking about this tonight. Think if, if tonight, if tonight you could choose, if we could just say on, well, we'll just go on this side. If on this side of the platform tonight, we could stack with cash, gold, rubies, pearls, you know, get 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 in, get the image in your mind. Maybe you've seen in the movies of somebody stumbling into some crazy uh, treasure trove. Over on this side. And then on this side, you have this. If any of you would hesitate to take this over that, I want to say you need to gain a better appreciation for this. Because the value of the Word of God is much greater than all of that. Now, not many of us have ever had what I described to you on this side. So it's easy for us to imagine that having that would bring some sort of great satisfaction. Um, but I'm telling you, it's a proven situation. I was um, watching a deal last night about Mike Tyson, and he basically went from a homeless street kid to within a few years, uh, as a, a 19, 20-year-old, literally becoming a multimillionaire overnight. And you want to know something about him? I mean, more millions than he could even count. He was miserable. He was miserable. Because all this wealth over here doesn't buy that. And that's a whole other message in and of itself. But I'm telling you tonight, I'm not even, it's, it's not hyperbole. It's not, uh, you know, just making some silly point that this word, this Bible, is worth more than all of that because it absolutely is. Okay? Um, so, uh, the value, get a grasp on its value. So I want to give you a couple things about the Word of God. Number one, Psalm 19, verse number seven, the Bible says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's what, one of the values of the Word of God is that it makes wise the simple. The law of the Lord is perfect. I mean, listen, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's one of my favorite verses because I am a simple-minded man. I'm a simple-minded man that's been able to gain some level of wisdom through the Word of God. I love that verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 
All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. The Word of God is profitable. And the great thing about this is, I think about Chad earlier this afternoon, and I really appreciate the fact that he's uh, given his time to do this, but he's coaching the U16 uh, kids for baseball. But you look at these verses. The Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. It's also profitable for reproof. For, for correction, for instruction. Did you know the Word of God? It doesn't just tell you what to do. If Chad just went out there today and said, okay, this is baseball, this is what you need to do, and then walked off the field, that wouldn't be very beneficial to those boys. But I guarantee you, there's one of the, I guarantee you Chad was out there, and he, wasn't out, he was out there in his tennis shoes. He was out there in the dirt. He was out there with those boys saying, okay, I'm going to give you some reproof. That's not the way you want to do it. Okay, but this is the way you want to do it. There's reproof. What did it say? There's reproof, there's correction, and there's instruction. This Bible will teach you, instruct you. It'll coach you. This Bible will coach you. This Bible is a great coach to teach you how to live a life that really is fulfilling. Not a life, not, not thinking riches are fulfilling, not thinking the things of this world, but finding true fulfillment so it's profitable. I was thinking about this, if you'll uh, bear with me in some of this introduction. I was thinking earlier about three ways that God's Word was mishandled in the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Three ways the Word of God was mishandled within the first three chapters or so of the book of Genesis. I was thinking about this. Number one, it was nefariously questioned. It was nefariously questioned. The very first attack ever on the Word of God was questioning the Word of God. And I say nefariously questioning the Word of God. We ought to ask questions when we're studying the Bible. You ought to ask questions when I'm preaching the Bible. Um, but I'm saying Satan nefariously was asking questions. He was intentionally casting doubt on what the Bible said. So the way God's handled was, word was handled from the very beginning is it was nefariously questioned. Number two, it was ignorantly misquoted. Ignorantly misquoted. If you remember Eve, Satan said to her about eating of the tree. Did God say you can't? She said, yeah, God said we can't eat it or touch it. Well, that's not what God said. So she ignorantly misquoted it. And then I thought about this. Then it was also blatantly disregarded. It was blatantly disregarded. It was blatantly disregarded from Adam and Eve, but it was also blatantly disregarded. Do you remember Cain? Uh, he, he was part of one of the trivia questions. The Bible says that God, listen, we, we can understand from the way the Scripture tells that they understood the Word of God said, you need to bring an animal sacrifice. And that was disregarded by Cain. It was obeyed by Abel, obeyed by Cain. Cain brought the works of his hands. He just decided, I think this is what I'll do. God said this, but here's what I'll do. Well, when he comes, God rejected his sacrifice, but God did not reject, reject his sacrifice and say, Cain, you're done. Get out of here. I'm rejecting your sacrifice. I'm rejecting you. No. He says, if you do well. In other words, God gave Cain a chance to do the right thing, but Cain refused to do the right thing. And I'm afraid that today we see this same thing repeated over and over again. The Word of God is still nefariously questioned. It's still ignorantly misquoted. And it's still blatantly disregarded. 
Uh, I heard this quote, and by the way, I mean, I, this, uh, I heard this from Adrian Rogers, but he said this, These have got married, and no man shall part. Dust on the Bible, and drought in the heart. See, one thing that I have found to be definitely true in my life is that if you do not love, know, understand, practice, and obey the Word of God, you cannot be a victorious Christian. You cannot be abounding with thanksgiving. It's impossible. But folks, I want to tell you tonight, this Bible, this book is not an ordinary book. This is the divine, inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of Almighty God. It's not like another book. And, and you, you think about this. I mean, I, 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 my desire for myself, my desire for you, I'm so glad that I was taught the Word of God. I'm standing before you today because of the Word of God. I'm talking about the virtue, the value of the Bible. Man, the change that it's wrought in my life. But i got to admit to you today, as I, as I, as I was studying for this message over uh, the last few days, my heart was convicted because there have been times where my heart has been aflame for the Word of God and loving the Word of God. But there's been far too many times to where, though I read it, and I think I no doubt get a benefit from that, man, it's not that same burning desire uh, and, and understanding the value, the virtue, the vitality of the Word of God. But my, my goal, and, and I believe through, through this study, through what I tell you tonight, through what I may tell you in coming days, uh, in, maybe in another, uh, maybe not necessarily on Wednesday nights, on this particular topic, but I want to tell you how to make the Word of God burst a flame in your heart. I want to tell you how that in any realm of life, you think about this, in any realm of life, we hear the, the, the saying, knowledge is power. You know, a wicked person can get a lot of knowledge and get better at their wickedness, right? Chad's trying to get kids better at baseball by giving them some knowledge. Knowledge is power. The more knowledge that you have of the Word of God, listen, you can be molded, motivated, and managed by the Word of God. We must know the Word of God in order to have spiritual power. I'm not just, this isn't just another message. It's not just another lesson. It's absolutely vital. The, the, the value, the virtue of the Word of God. See, for many people, many people that know Christ, the Bible really remains a closed book tonight. And I just want you to think about that. Man, never would I pick on a person who says, I don't really know the Bible. This, is the, this message is not designed to do that. This message is designed to encourage you to say, you know what, I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to see the value of that Bible, and I'm going to make an effort to get into that Bible. I'm going to pray, God, help me to have a desire to learn your word. Help me to have a desire to really get a hold of what your word teaches. But because the word of God remains a closed, mysterious book to way too many people. People just don't understand it. And the problem is, there is no cheap, lazy way or magical way to understand the Bible. You got to get in there and read it. You got to take the time. You got to dig. You got to be willing to put in some work. But if you realize its value, you'll be willing to put in that work. 
You'll be willing to read and you'll be, able to be, you'll be willing to ask the questions. You'll be willing, listen, to, to have a, a pen and a paper beside you as you read and study the Bible and say, I don't, what, what's, that, what's that mean? What's that word say? I mean, write down questions, write down thoughts, write down things or make a note on your phone, whatever the, 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 the thing may be. But get in there. I mean, listen, if, if we will do that, I'm telling you, it is a joyful task because the Word of God will begin to transform your life. It's joyful. It's thrilling to know the Word of God. And you can't just know it overnight, but as you get to know it and God speaks to you, man, this is something alive and it gets in you. The Spirit of God's living in you, but I'm telling you, the Word of God is absolutely transformative. It's absolutely transformative. In Psalm 119, if you go, go over to Psalm 119 with me, please, tonight. What is one of the distinctions of the 119th Psalm? What's one of the distinctions of the 119th Psalm? Anyone? Longest book of the Bible, longest chapter in the Bible. Anybody know how many verses? All of them. 176 verses. Uh, and another distinction is almost all of those verses, uh, not everyone, but almost every one of those verses, and I'm talking about 160 some, reference the Word of God in some way or the other. Another interesting thing, by the way, how many of you like acrostics? Any of you teachers like acrostics? You know, where you like do joy, you know, as an acrostic, right? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Anybody like that stuff? No? You're looking at me weird? I knew Kim would. You know God likes them too? You know how I know that? Because Psalm 119 is an acrostic. Psalm 119 is the Hebrew alphabet. If you look at Psalm 119 and it looks funny, th those, uh, those uh, little headings, that little Hebrew word before each one is, is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the Hebrew ABCs. And for each Hebrew letter, you have a section there. It's an acrostic. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing. The longest psalm in the Bible, but it reveals the Bible's qualities that set it apart from all other books. So it's a good place to see and appreciate the Bible's utter uniqueness among all other books. Okay, so I'm going to just try my best tonight and pray that you will hear me. I'm trying my best to speak to your hearts tonight about a couple things quickly that make the Word of God of great virtue, of great value. Number one, the Bible is a timeless book. Look at verse number 89. Psalm 119, verse 89. What are those first two words? Forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Folks, the Bible is not just the book of the month or the book of the year. It is the timeless, unchanging book of all ages. Folks, this Bible, this Bible, the Word of God originated in heaven. Before there was a heaven, or before there was the earth, before God made anything, this Word of God was already settled. And you hold it right in your hands tonight, or you have it right on your phone. You have it. It's the only book that comes from heaven. You say, wasn't it written by men? Yes, well, God moved on holy men, and we'll look at that verse in just a moment, but it's the words of Almighty God. Look at Psalm 152, or 119, I'm sorry, verse number 152. 
150, we're going to go over a few places in here. We're not going to read all of Psalm 119 tonight. But if you look at 152, the Bible says, Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Forever. Skip down to verse number 160. The Bible says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25 says, But the word of the Lord endureth... Anybody? Forever. Very good. Forever. Forever, God says the word. The Bible you hold in your hand or that's on your shelf is done. It's settled. It's been settled in heaven. Folks, we need to, by the grace of God, get it off of our shelves and get it into our hearts. Amen. It's not just to be uh, possessed and, and owned. It is to be in our hearts. This is the word of God and there's nothing else like it. You know, throughout the years, you think about the Word of God. Emperors like Diocletian have tried to exterminate the Bible. Many others have as well. Atheists like Voltaire have railed against the Bible. Agnostics through the years have cynically sneered. Liberals strive to remove the miracles from the Bible. And the materialists have simply ignored the Bible. How is it that the Bible stands after centuries of attempts to destroy it? You ever thought about that? Teenagers, do you realize that <laughs> since there's been a Bible, and especially in the last 2,000 years, there have been people, I'm talking about with a venomous hatred for this book, and there still are. And you know what many of them have gone out to do since they hate this Bible so much? They've gone out to disprove it. To show that it's, uh, that it's inaccurate. To show that it's false. You know what happens? It's impossible. It's impossible. So, it, so since they can't fight, it stands. It stands forever settled. One of the cool things is the honest people, the ones that are truly seeking to prove the Word of God wrong because they're sure that it's wrong, but if they're really seeking the truth, you want to know what happens with them people? They get saved. One after the other, they get saved. Scientists. I mean, uh, it, I mean, uh, intellectuals, it doesn't matter. If they're honest, they study this Word and they find... Why? Because this is the Word of Almighty God. The Creator. This is the Word of the Creator, people. He's the one who knows. And that's why it's, I love it. I love the amazing... Uh, the, the, the fact that the Bible is so far ahead when it comes to science. Amen? What a wonderful thing. I mean, listen, when it, the, the things that were mysteries to people, and it was cool, Kurt had a whole list of these things in the Bible that are listed, but some of these things weren't found out to the 20th century. The scientists didn't find out, but the Bible said in the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job. There's science there that wasn't discovered till the 20th century. And it shouldn't surprise us, because since the Creator is the one whose word this is, folks, this word is accurate. It's the words of Almighty God, the Creator. So therefore, no matter what they've done, this book is saying. See, other books have come and gone. But the Bible is here to stay. 
The Bible's here to stay. Thousands of years have passed since it was written. Emperors and empires have risen and fallen. Civilizations have changed again and again. But the Bible stands ultimate, indestructible. I love what R.G. Lee said, a preacher from, uh, the, the, from last uh, century. He said, all of its enemies have not torn one hole in its holy vesture, nor stolen one flower from its wonderful garden, nor diluted one drop of honey from its abundant hive, nor broken one string on its thousand-string harp, nor drowned one sweet word in infidel eek. The Word of God stands. You know, the thing I love is the Word of God stands in history. I wish I could preach a, a lot about this uh, to you tonight, but there's a, this, this entire book tonight was written by D. James, the late D. James Kennedy, and, uh, and uh, what if the Bible had never been written? And I love what this book documents. It documents the places where the Bible has gone, the impact that the Bible has made on the societies that have believed it. I mean, the Bible and morality, society, law, politics, the founding of America. And see, man, I'm telling you, we're coming up on uh, Juneteenth, and people try to say that that was the the, the founding and the start of America, but I'm telling you, that's not so. That's when slaves were first brought to this country. Slaves, by the way, that some of the slaves that were brought to the country in 1619, I believe it was, those slaves were only slaves for a number of years before they could have, be freed and have land of their own. Some of those same slaves themselves became slave owners years later. That's a little known uh, fact. But though there was flaws in the founders of our country and throughout our country, I want you to understand something, that since our, since our country was founded on the principles of the Word of God, that's why, I mean, uh, a good number of the founding fathers, slave owners and all, they were abolitionists, and they wanted to end the trade and the, uh, the whole thing of slavery. It was one of the things that almost broke it apart because some of them didn't. But I'm telling you, the founding fathers wanted to end slavery. And the reason, Frederick Douglass, for instance, Frederick Douglass, uh, he was a, a slave that became a great statesman. Frederick Douglass, initially, he was a part of a people. Did you realize that within a hundred years of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights even, that uh, there was a group of people that said that it didn't really include the, the rights of all men? And so they were trying to destroy it. Frederick Douglass was one of those people. Until Frederick Douglass really began to study what the Constitution said. And then he realized that even though through the flaws of some of the founders and the slavery that still existed in our country, which is just an ungodly uh, uh, thing, uh, the form of slavery that we've had in our country throughout, you know, up and through those years. But Frederick Douglass realized that it was the truth of the Constitution itself that was going to provide the, the possibility for the slaves to be freed. Abraham Lincoln said it himself. He was trying, Abraham Lincoln said, I'm just trying to further the con- what the Constitution already said. Somebody says, well, what about the whole one-sixteenth thing? They said that, that, that slaves were only one-sixteenth of a person. You need to find out the background of that. It says that, but you don't want to know why? Because the slave states 
Some of the southern slave-owning states wanted to, w- w- wanted to use their slaves to vote. And guess what they were going to use their slaves to vote? For slavery. They were going to use the, 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 that population of slaves. And so what the abolitionists said is we cannot allow them to use their slaves to cast a full vote or they're going to totally get their agenda passed, which is a pro-slavery. It was the Democrats. It's always been the Democrats. But, uh, and I'm just telling you history here. I'm not being political. I'm just telling you a fact. That wanted was all pro-slavery. Ku Klux Klan on down the line. Uh, but uh, they knew that they would use those numbers and said, we can't allow that, so we're only going to allow those slaves to have one-sixteenth of a vote. Uh, you know, rather than, it's not that they were one-sixteenth of a human being, it was that they were only going to allow their vote to count uh, for that. Anyway, but it, but it just goes on through. I wish you could find out the impact that the Bible had upon human rights, upon life. You want to know one of the reasons that people are, these modernists and these, uh, the, these leftists of today are against the Word of God? Because the Word of God is for life. The Word of God is value in every human life. I want to tell you something else the leftists don't like about the Bible. See, if you believe the Bible, your problem with racism is solved. you want to know why? Because if you're a Bible believer, you know how many races there are. You know there's one race. You know there's one people. We don't believe in this evolution stuff. We don't believe that, that, that some of these people haven't fully evolved, which again is what eugenics and some of these other things we face throughout the years have done. I'm just telling you, the Bible has changed the world for good. Somebody says, what about the Crusades? If those Catholics would have followed the Bible, they would have never went crusading and killing people like they were. They were not following the Bible. They were following their religion. Religion is a problem. But the Bible, folks, is freeing. Amen. And so, the Bible, it, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing book tonight. My goodness. I had a feeling that the time was going quick on me. Maybe not for you. Folks, I want to tell you tonight, the Bible is a timeless book. It is still changing lives. I want to tell you, I want to try to tell you quickly here tonight, the Bible is a truthful book. Look, at, look with me, if you will. I think you're somewhere in that Psalm 160, uh, 119, 160 category. Look at 160 with me. The Bible says, Thy word is what? True, from the beginning. 142, 151, they all say the Word of God is truth. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? But Jesus had already answered that question. He said, I'm the truth. But then He also said, Thy Word is truth. John 17, 17, Thy Word is truth. In a world that's lost its appreciation for truth, we can say without apology, the Bible is truth. Not your truth. Not my truth. The whole my truth, your truth business eliminates truth altogether. But God's Word is the truth. Folks, don't fall for the nonsense of these intellects. Unders, please understand. Please see, that the, please see the fact that they, in trying to claim to be wise, they're becoming fools as the Bible said they would. See, there's so many attacks on the Word of God, but the Word of God is a truthful book. I'm in a place right now, you want to know where I'm at at this moment? I'm in a place right now where I'm trying to find a stopping point, amen? 
So just bear with me. I'm going to try to get there. I'm looking for the bypass, all right? You ever that way you miss your exit on the interstate and you're going to try to catch the next one? Well, I'm that way, but man, unfortunately, I'm on the interstate in South Dakota and I, I don't know when that next exit's coming up, so just bear with me a moment. <laughs> Today, there's many attacks on the truth of the Bible. There's the frontal attack of liberals who deny it. There's the attack of the rear by those who want to substitute it for their own experience. Well, I know the Bible says this, but I experienced this. And I know the Bible says this, but you know, I'm more this other way. This is what I want to do. doesn't matter. Folks, there's all kinds of attacks on the Word of God. But I want to tell you today that the Word of God still stands. If you're looking for truth today, you can find it in the Bible. I've already read 2 Timothy 3.16. One reason the Bible is true is because it's the Word of God. As I'm speaking to you tonight, the, the, the way I'm speaking to you tonight is out of my lungs. You are hearing my breath. You are hearing the result of me breathing in the sense of I am inhaling and then out comes these words. You know, up through the diaphragm and, and so forth, across the tongue and the teeth and these words come out and I'm breathing what I'm saying to you right now. <laughs> the reason... I'm. I'm, man, I'm not doing the job I want to do tonight. I'm really not. But I just want to tell you tonight, the value and the virtue of the Word of God is the very breath of God. That's what, in, that's what inspiration means. The, breathe, the, the words of Almighty God. This is it. You have the Bible. The words of Almighty God. And here's the great thing. These words, yes, they're to all mankind. But the Holy Spirit of God will make them real to you. God breathed. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, listen, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What God says. See, He, does, he, he used the pens of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Paul to make, uh, make their words His own. But God's the one that held the pen. They were instruments as He spoke, breathing the Scriptures out. Therefore, the Bible is true because the God of truth cannot speak error. It's timeless. It's truthful. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. When you read the Bible, you find phrases like the Word of the Lord, or the Word of God, or, or the Lord said unto me. You find a phrase like that. Listen, in the Bible, 3,808 times in the Bible. Folks, the Bible is the Word of God. And then I want to say lastly, it's a treasured book. Now here it is. I tried to start with this, but I'll end with it quickly. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. That's verse 72 of Psalm 119. Verse 103 of Psalm 119. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 127, Psalm 119 says, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Saints and heroes of the faith have pillowed their heads on the Word of God as they walked through the chilly waters of death. Martyrs died for the witness of Jesus Christ, holding the Word of God as the flames licked around their feet. 
The early church preached and proclaimed the Word of God. They loved it, lived it, practiced it, trusted and obeyed it. They claimed it constantly. Is that true for you today? Do you have a love for the Word of God? If you don't, I wish you would ask God tonight, if you don't value the Word of God like you should, or maybe you don't value the Word of God as much as you once did, folks, this Bible will transform your life. It's the only thing that has the power to truly transform you from the inside out. I want you to think for me just for a moment, the power of the Word of God. Now let me tell you something, when you first, especially if you haven't got, got in there and dug really well, and if you're anything like me, folks, I, I've, I, I have reading issues. When I was a kid, I seriously had reading issues. I struggled so badly to read. I would, I would read two sentences and lose interest. I would read a paragraph and not know what I read. It was just, uh, I, I couldn't hardly get through a page without my mind wondering. Uh, it, so reading became such a struggle for me in school that, uh, and I'm not saying that I should have given up, I should have tried harder, or, or maybe got to another class, I don't know. But when I would have those little tests, if you remember, you'd have to read like five paragraphs and answer five questions, and read five paragraphs, answer five questions, something like that. When I would get to those kinds of ends of the year, you know what I'd end up doing eventually? Just getting down to the end of guessing. Uh, I guess A, B, I don't know. C, I've heard is the most common answer. Uh, all of the above. Um, and, and it wasn't just utter slackness. I'm not saying there wasn't a little slackness there, but it was frustration. I, I, I struggled. So when I started reading the Bible, I was challenged, and somebody said, as I was 16 years old, I got saved, and, and praise God, there was somebody in the church that just said, read it, read it every day. Read at least a chapter every day. And you want to know what happened to me? I'd open up that Bible, and I'd start reading, and guess what happened by the time I got to the end of that chapter? I forgot I was even reading. I'm not even joking. I'm like, oh yeah, what, what, what I was reading. What was I reading? But I'm so glad for the advice that I was given. The, uh, the, one, one of the men, Joe Fleming, told me, he says, remember, the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody says, I'm looking for a version I can understand. Listen, I'm looking for one that I can't without God. Amen? Uh, listen to me just for a second. I'm just simply saying this is a spiritual book. It's a spiritual book. Just simply understanding the words don't do a whole lot for you. You need God regardless. Amen? But let me back, back up here just a second. He told me this. He said, Jesse, he said, you're saved now and the Holy Spirit of God is living on the inside of you. And he said, you might not be getting it up here, but the Holy Ghost is going to get it. Just stay faithful. And you know what happened? Little old dumb Jesse that couldn't hardly finish a few paragraphs and tell you what I read, all of a sudden... I'd be in a conversation, maybe witnessing to somebody, trying to talk to somebody, and I'd say, well, no, you know why? Because the Bible says... And I'd be like, what in the world was that? I don't know what stuff says. I don't remember what stuff says. But you know what? I was being faithful. It wasn't easy, but I kept trying and I kept reading and, 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 and I kept learning. And I wasn't always getting it up here, but I'm telling you, God was putting something in my heart. The Holy Spirit of God was, and I just got that mental picture when he said it, the Holy Spirit of God is just reaching out and saying, I'm going to grab that one and bring it in here, and, I, and I'm going to bring it back up to you when you need it. I'm telling you, the Word of God has transformed my life. 
I have not lived the Christian life that I would have hoped that I would have lived over the last, you know, going on 30 years or whatever it is. I've not lived the, the life that I would hope that I have lived. But I want to tell you something. I've lived a transformed life. I went just from utter loserville to God changing me, saving me, calling me to, me to preach. God giving me victory over those, those sins that grab the, of the world and, and that you face as a, a teenager and as an adult that grab hold of you. I stand here today, folks, as a transformed man as a result of the Word of Almighty God. That's it. You're not, you are not looking at a man of willpower today. You're not looking at that man. You're not looking at a man of great wisdom, of, of some natural uh, anything else. You're, you're looking at a that's a, that's a short term, that's an instant gratification, that's who you're looking at, but you're looking at a man that, that you don't see those things in as much because I've been transformed. I stand here today. I grow here today. Uh, I'm not been the husband that I've wanted to, but I'm telling you what, I've tried to be a good husband. I've tried to be a good dad. I'm committed to these kids. I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed to living for God. I'm committed to loving people and, and trying to do something for people. And it's all because of this book right here. This book transforms you. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a good guy. I'm a transformed guy. Amen. And that's what the Bible will do. Think about this. Think about this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, the earth was empty. It was void. There was nothing. But God said, let there be light. God spoke. Out of nothing came everything. Think about that. I mean, you, you think about this. I mean, th th think about through, throughout the New Testament. Think about the times that Jesus spoke. Oh, th this world has everything in turmoil and, and the sea's going crazy. But Jesus just steps out and He speaks. And His Word, peace, be still. And it was still. Jesus went to the blind man that had never seen. And He said, see. He said, woman that was bound by her infirmity, thou art loosed. She was loosed. He said to the lame man, get up. The muscle atrophy, everything gone. And up and strong and jumping and leaping. Why? Because He spoke. He spoke. He spoke and it caused miracles to take place in people's lives. Go, be unto thee as thy faith. Go, thy, thy son is healed. On and on and on. Lazarus, come forth. And I'm telling you, God is still speaking today. Jesus is still speaking today. Let Him speak to you. Open up its pages. Ask God to help me. Lord, transform my life. Quit trying. It ain't about you trying. It's about you getting into God's Word and letting God's Word transform your life and make you into what He'd have you to be. It doesn't happen overnight. But it happens. There's some things that will happen overnight. But just get in there. Oh, the value, the virtue. Appreciate the virtue of the Word of God. Amen. Let's all stand this evening. Thank you for your patience. Dear God, you know that I would not be standing here today if it were not for your Word. 
Lord, I could go on and on and on and never be able to truly express and get across the value. But, but I know that tonight, I am certain that there's some of my brothers and sisters maybe new in Christ, maybe not so new in Christ, and they would be ashamed to say how little they truly know about the Word of God and how little they've invested. But God, it's not about what they have done or not done in the past. It's about right now. And I'm praying You'll help my brother, Lord, right now. I'm praying You'll help my brother. I'm praying You'll help my sister, Lord. Help them just right now to say, Lord, it's not about the past, but God help me right now, today, tonight. Tonight. Before this night's over, I'm going to open up the Word of God. Lord, put that desire in my heart. Give me that love. Help me to realize it is absolute truth that it's worth much more than all the riches of this earth. Help us to stand true to it. Help us to read it, study it, learn it. There may be somebody that's just humble enough to say, hey, can you give me a place to get started? I mean, listen, this isn't a judgmental message tonight. This is a message of encouragement. Lord, I want you to forgive me because I'm going to be honest before you and before all these people. My heart hasn't burned for your word like it once has. But God, starting tonight, starting tonight, God, I'm going to make that effort, God. Lord, I know what the Word of God has done in my life and the, and the Spirit of God through the Word of God. The Word of God spake and the Spirit of God moved. And that's still the way it works today, dear God. Help us, dear Lord, to love Your Word. Help us to make the effort to memorize it, learn it. Somebody here tonight, maybe they don't need to try to get through the whole Bible this year. Maybe they just need to take their time and get in the book of John, get in the book of Romans and just dig deep. Layer after layer. Peel it back like an onion, dear Lord. Help us, dear God, as your people tonight, dear Lord. We love you. Thank you for giving us this wonderful, wonderful word. Thank you for giving us this love letter. We thank you, dear God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming.